Good morning, we're Life Church. Hey, it is a absolutely beautiful weekend, and we are blessed to be gathered together, to be worshiping together, and uh, I'm just, I'm glad you're here. So whether you're joining us on our online campus or you're joining us here in Lesur, uh, we're just, we're just glad that we get to be here and praise the Lord together and, and be a part of what He's doing uh, in and through Word of Life Church, and it's just a, it's just a huge privilege. Um, I get to... I get to introduce a friend of ours. Um, matter of fact, we've been walking through uh, our series on joining Jesus and, um, and kind of quoting through this book a little bit and being challenged to say, hey, let's, let's not just hear about it, let's not just read about it, let's not just sing about it, but let's actually like, do this stuff where we talk to people about Jesus and what he's done for us. And, uh, and I know that you guys have responded because um, all the books are sold so, big huge thank you to you. Um, and but before I, uh, you know, before I bring up Greg, um, let's pray together, and 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 let's honor the Lord in our prayers. Lord God and Heavenly Father, we come before you with praise and thanksgiving. We have so much to be thankful for. Everything that we have is a gift from you. Every good and perfect thing coming down from you is a gift. Not something that we've earned and certainly not something we deserve. Because we've sinned against you. We confess to you, Lord, that we're all a bunch of selfish little sinners. And incredibly gracious. Just thankful for your graciousness to us. That it's because of your grace that you give us, the faith that you give us to believe with, that we can be called your children. Lord, as we look forward into tomorrow, as our nation celebrates Memorial Day, we ask you, Lord God, to be with those who are mourning. We ask you to be with those who are remembering friends and loved ones who gave their lives for our country. And we just ask you, Lord God, to, to wrap your loving arms around those who are mourning and remembering. Minister to them. Lord, as we look around our congregation, we recognize that there's a whole lot of people on vacation. And that is awesome. We're excited when people go on vacation. It's great. We pray, Lord God, that you would pour out your rest into them, that we, they would be renewed, not just by the time off, but be renewed by you and the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would be continuing to draw people to yourself in your name. It's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Um, I, I'm glad that Pastor Greg gets to be here. He's been in ministry uh, for, for quite a while. Uh, you know, when, when we were over at the New Prague campus, I, I, felt like, um, I felt like Pastor Nick was kind of throwing him under the bus a little bit. So I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm not going to tell you how long he's been in ministry. I can just tell you, it's, you know, he's got experience. He's experienced. Uh, and, and we're really excited to be partnering with him. Uh, I'm also not going to tell you, um, as, as a church full of, of, of Twins fans, that he's also a Houston Astros fan. Not 
not going to tell you that. Just going to say that he's from Texas and, you know, everything's great in Texas. So uh, we're, we're glad to have Greg here and uh, glad to be hearing from God's word from him. So if you give a word of life welcome to Greg Finke. Now they're not even going to listen to what I have to say because of that, man. Well, I'm a, it's like my wife said, if, if I'm talking about the, the Bible, you can believe what I say. So we, uh, we look forward to, to this time together. Yeah, Nick, uh, he, you know, gracious. Um, it's true. I, I graduated the seminary in the 1900s. That's how old I am. And uh, he did indicate, though, that he thought I had been a pastor longer than he'd been alive, which is sobering. Uh, but anyway, it is what it is. We, uh, we're glad to be here today. Um, let's go ahead and put up the, the first slide. Uh, we represent a ministry we kicked off. I'd been a pastor for uh, 20-some years in Michigan, down, back down in Texas. And, and uh, about 12 years ago, my wife and I uh, felt uh, God asking us to step out of the, uh, being, being the pastor of a particular church and to kind of come alongside churches um, wherever we would be invited and we, we launched something called Dwelling 114. And uh, the, the name Dwelling 114 comes from uh, John 114. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And the reason we call it that is because it's a great reminder. Basically, it's answering the question that y'all were just singing about, right? Now that we're out of the tomb and alive again, what are we going to do, right? You're forgiven, you're loved, you're valued, you're back. So what are we going to do? Sit on the bench, run out the clock till we die and finally go to heaven? Well, that doesn't sound biblical, does it? No, it sounds boring as well. And yet that's what too many people settle for, right? Um, and and it's, it, it's not that, that, um, that, that, that our new identity in Christ is unimportant. It's absolutely first. It's just not all, right? So uh, uh, as those of you that are, are aware of Christian history, um, you know, the Lutheran church kind of got kicked off uh, because a very important question was getting answered incorrectly. The question was, how are we saved? And it had begun to be answered as it's by what you do. It's by how well you keep the law. It's what you earn. And uh, Luther, like, uh, started reading the Bible. And he's like, uh, turns out that's not what this says, right? And so we now know and have great clarity on how we are saved. We are saved by grace through faith alone. Amen? Yeah. Bible says that. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, that we are saved by grace through faith. And even the faith is not from ourselves. It's a gift from God, not by works, lest any man should boast. Uh, but here's the deal. That was 505 years ago. And after being uh, focused like a laser beam on the question of how we are saved, right? And we don't want to get unfocused. We don't we want that answer to start getting wrong again. But after 505 years of focusing on how we are saved, we've gotten a little, fo a little fuzzy on why we are saved. And see, the why we are saved is just as important and just as biblical as the how we are saved. It kind of finishes up the whole story, right? Uh, so if we're saved by grace through faith alone, then the, the question of why we are saved, it's actually, well, it's actually in that Ephesians 2 passage. You know what's right after verse 9? Verse 10. Thank you. There's usually somebody that, that does it, and it's, it's today it's you. Yeah. No, I mean, anybody that's read the Bible knows right after 9 is 
10. Yeah. And, and here's what that says. It says, for we are God's workmanship. This is not a new thought. This is completing Paul's first thought. This is how we're saved. And then he says, for we are God's workmanship. In other words, we, God did all that work of gracing us and faithing us and saving us for a reason. There's a purpose, right? We're saved by grace, through faith, alone. And he did all that work that we would be recreated in Christ Jesus. For what purpose? So that we could get off the bench and back in the game. So that we could come out of the tomb and use that life for what? Doing the good the Father prepared in advance for us to do. Each day we have the great privilege of being able to go out knowing that the Father has set up opportunities for us to do good for the sake of others. That's not something we do to earn something. We're not, we're not trying to be good. We're not, we're not earning good. No, but for heaven's sakes, you, you're baptized. You're, that's settled. You're in. You have been declared good by God Oop, because of Jesus. Now we get to be the ones that go out and look for how we can be a reason good gets loose in the lives of people around us that need it. That's why you're saved. We're saved from sin, death, and the devil. What are we saved for? See, we're not just against sin. What are we for? We're for people receiving the love that God has for them too. It isn't that for God so loved word of life that he sent his only son. What does it say? For God so loved the world. Yeah. God's mission is not just to get you back. He's tickled pig that he's got you. But God's mission is not just to get you, but to get the whole world to get your neighbors, to get your workplace uh, 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 co-workers, to get the other kids in your, in your class. He wants everybody back. This is the God that, that if he loses one, he leaves the 99 in the, open, in the open field to go look for the one. And here's how it says in Luke 15, until he finds it. So if you think you're lost, he's looking for you. He's already loved you. He's already forgiven you. There's no reason acting like he hasn't. It's true. Might as well just make it easier on yourself and receive it. <laughs> he loves you, forgives you, and restores you whether you like it or not. So you might as well just enjoy it, participate in it. But not just receiving it, but also freely giving it. Freely receive, freely give. That's the whole story, right? It's the why we're saved, but it's, it's the how we're saved, but it's also the why we're saved. It's what we're saved from. Yeah, that's important. But it's also what we're saved for. To, as Paul says in Ephesians 5, verse 2, that we live a life of love. By the way, that's the best life to live anyway, isn't it? Not going out trying to love people, but going out and letting loose the love that we already got. Right? It says, you're loved, you're forgiven, you're valued. It doesn't say try to be loved, try to be valued, try to be forgiven. It doesn't say, learn to be loved, learn to be forgiven, learn to be valued. No, it says, you are. You don't have to try it. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to go grab it. You don't have to, nope, it's yours. Who you are, it's yours. Might as well just sit back and say thank you. (laughs) Huh? Anybody want to say thank you? Yeah, yeah. Once you realize what you are and what you have, then this wonderful thing called gratitude starts to boil up. If you think you have earned it or you think you must earn it, well, then that leaves the whole thing unsteady, doesn't it? But once you know that this is who you are, 
because of what he wants to offer you and to recreate you into. Well, then it's just like, wow. I like, I like uh, Jesus. Well, I like all of Jesus' words, but I cer- certainly like Jesus' words in Matthew 5, right? 14, 15, 16. You might remember this. It's the same kind of wording. You are the light of the world. You're saying, well, I'm, I'm not the light of the world. Yes, you are. Sorry. Whether you, whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not, you are. And, it's, and, and, and you are because of what you have, right? Jesus doesn't say learn to be the light. He doesn't say try harder to be the light. He says you are the light. Therefore, what? Let your light shine. <laughs> and what is this? What, what, what's coming out? <laughs> what's this light coming out? Well, it's simple. It's God's love. Yeah. God's love that you have received. Now just let that light shine. And Jesus says it very, very bluntly. He says, let your light shine that they may what? See your good deeds. In other words, when love is put into action, it's good. Something good's happening for somebody else. It might be with words. It might be with an action. It might be just you standing alongside someone that's being disrespected or, or dismissed as unvaluable, as unforgiven, as, as unloved. But we get to be a reason good gets loose in the world. Not our good, from Him, from God to us, through us into the material world around us that needs the experience of it, not just the truth. We need the truth, but the truth is always combined with the experience. That's what human beings thrive. That's why Jesus was born into the world. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling around us. It wasn't that God's Word in the Old Testament was insufficient. It's just that God knew that we needed to experience His grace and truth, not just hear about it. For us to thrive, we need both the hearing of it, but also the experiencing of it. And that's why the Word became flesh. Same John that wrote the Gospel of John wrote the first epistle of John. It, it says, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, that which we have seen, that which we have heard with our own ears, that which we have touched, this, this is the word that we proclaim. Isn't that cool? So as God's people, let's start experiencing this, not just studying it, discussing it, and singing about it. I, Keep singing about it. That was pretty good. Uh, but, but once we do the discussing and the receiving and the hearing and the, and the studying, then it's time for us to get up off our chairs <laughs> and actually head out the door and follow Jesus. Next slide. That's then what we get to do. Go ahead and go to the next slide. There you go. Jesus says, come follow me. To be a follower of Jesus, it starts with Jesus, right? It doesn't start with you. Being a follower of Jesus starts with Jesus. Jesus, as we just said, he has to start. He has to come to us, right? He comes to us and he loves us, forgives us, values us, restores us. And then he comes into us through baptism. Or don't you know that all of you were baptized into Christ Jesus, got Jesus into you, right? So you got Jesus in you. That means you're the body of Christ. Jesus comes to you. And then because you're forgiven, freed, and now empowered, we now get up and what? Come with him. Jesus comes to us so that we can get up and come with him. He's inviting us to join, us, join him on his mission. 
Now, because we have been given what we need to join him on his mission, then that part is settled, sealed, we're good, right? But what we still need, just like the, the original followers of Jesus needed, was training. That's why Jesus says, come follow me. Not, hey, let's start a game of follow the leader. But you guys don't know what you're doing yet, so come follow me. I know you don't know what it means to be the body of Christ. Well, let me show you what it looks like. It looks a lot like self-sacrificing love for the good of others. Come follow me. Let me train you. Let me put you through a process by which you will become more confident and skillful at loving people who need love. Sound good? Yeah. Then how come we feel this way? Next slide. What? Me? What? Join you on your mission? <laughs> Sounds good sitting here talking about it, but we got to go out there and do it. Uh, and, the, and, the, and the big deal is I, I've not done that before. I've come to church. I've received a church. I've talked to church. I've discussed at church. I am well trained at discussing things. <laughs> I am very good at meeting. <laughs> this come follow me. Let's go see what the Father's prepared in advance for us to do. I've not done that before. But it turns out it's really simple. In fact, it's so simple even a little child can do it. That's the only rub, actually, that we need to humble ourselves and become like little children. Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. What if he meant that? He said through Paul, don't, don't be anxious about anything. What if he meant that? What if what he's asking us to do to join him on his mission doesn't require anxiety? <laughs> doesn't require fear. Doesn't require doubt. It only requires one thing which he's already given you. What is it? Okay, I thought we went over this. It starts with an L. It's four letters. Love. That's right. In his love is life. In his love is light. Right? That's all there in John chapter 1, 2. And so my point here is we don't need to have anxiety about this. We have something very simple but very important precisely backwards. Right? Let me, add, let me do it this way. How many, show of hands. How many of you believe God is smarter than you? Just a quick show of hands. Okay, good. Good job here at this site too. The other site got it right. Yeah, of course God's smarter than us and God's too smart to send us out to do something we are categorically incapable of doing, right? I can't go out and save anybody. For heaven's sakes, I'm Lutheran. I can't even save myself, right? That was supposed to be a little joke. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I can't save people. I can't convince people, convert people, redeem and restore people. That's all above my pay grade, right? And yours as well. That is, that is hard work. That's work that's so hard it requires a son of God. Thanks be to God, he, is so, he was smart enough to send a son of God to do the work that requires a son of God. And I got news for you. You are not the son of God. <laughs> Turn your neighbor and say, you are not the son of God. Yeah, this is helpful to be reminded of this, right? Everybody take a deep breath. Hold it in. Release. I absolve you from being who you are not. Let not your hearts be troubled. God sent a son of God to do the work that requires a son of God. His name is Jesus. You've already been singing about it. He's the son of God. He's the, doing the heavy lifting. So remember, next slide, we're joining Jesus. Next slide. Okay, well, the next slide says, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. We're joining Jesus on his mission. It was Jesus sent by the Father on a mission to redeem and restore all things to his kingdom right? That's Jesus' job. 
Jesus does the saving. Jesus does the redeeming and restoring. Jesus does the readying and the ripening for who? For us to come along and humble ourselves and become like little children and love the people that God brings across our path. They're called neighbors. They're called co-workers. They're called fellow shoppers. <laughs> they're called classmates, teammates. They're the people that are already around us every day that we tend to look around or look through or turn around because we don't want to engage them. And it's not really so much engaging them as some kind of, of uh, uh, a savior, but rather engaging them as someone that needs a little bit of what you've already got. It might be a smile. It might be a handshake. It might be a cup of coffee and a listening ear. It might be some encouragement. It might be some hospitality. It might be some kindness. It's going to be the good that's been prepared in advance for you to do. It seems small. It seems little. It's easy to, 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 to underestimate, but that's why Jesus tells the stories about seeds. He says, don't underestimate the seeds. They're small. I get it. They're small. They're, they're easy to underestimate. Get the seeds out there, friends. Why? Because seeds have the power in them to do what seeds do. You're not the power in the seed. The seed has the power to germinate and to shoot up and to send down roots and to produce fruit. All you did was fling. All you did was fling. Jesus does all the heavy lifting, friends, but we are the ones that watch and recognize the opportunity to offer a little bit of what we got because that's the plan. We receive and then we freely give. We get love so that we can love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, we love, why? Because he first loved us. That's who you are, my friends. That's who we got. So we're joining Jesus on his mission. Next slide. We don't go for Jesus, right? Doesn't that sound scary? Jesus, you stay here and we'll see you next week. We're going to go save people for you. Well, that, that's, that's, that's not a plan at all. That's a bad plan. Here's the plan. Next slide. We go with Jesus. Come follow me. Let's go see what the Father's prepared in advance. I'm doing the heavy lifting. Let not your hearts be troubled. Come follow me. Or the next one, we, we, we get all anxious about this. We think we have to be Jesus salespeople. <laughs> now, I know, I'm not talking about, I know some of you are salespeople. You're very good salespeople. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about that guy. That's who we don't want to have to be, right? Presumptuous, pushy. We're smiling too big. We're shaking the hand too long. And I'm going to tell you about Jesus till you finally fall to your knees and ask for baptism. <laughs> and we're afraid I can't do that, right? And you're, you know what? You can't. Not only is this a bad idea, this is bad theology, right? Who's the only person that can sell Jesus to anybody? That's right, Pastor Jason. But other than that, nobody. <laughs> other than that, no, not even Pastor Jason. The, the only person that can sell Jesus is, is Jesus. The only person that can convince people of Jesus is Jesus. But here's the deal. He does it through what they see and experience through us, right? He's not relying on us, but he does use us. So if, if people are hearing about God's love, but not experiencing God's love, that produces cynicism. Can you imagine being a human being that has lived 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years of their life, and they hear all the time, God is love, God loves you. And they haven't experienced it through people that claim they got it. 
Instead, they get judgment, they get shame, they get, they get, they get uh, you know, uh, 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 passive-aggressive stuff. After a while, you go, yeah, right, God loves me. You see, the experience of God's love becomes the evidence that God could love. And it's the evidence that God could love that begins to build up and the Holy Spirit uses to then turn that person's heart and be able to declare what is already true. It's already true. It's just that now they're experiencing and now they can become convinced of it, that they are loved, that they are forgiven, that they are valued. It's very simple, friends. If all you have are words and vocabulary but have not love, that's a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. I'm just quoting 1 Corinthians chapter 13. No, it's, 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 it's love, and the words describe it, the words verify it, the words declare it, reveal it. But God is love. Love comes from God, and that's our great privilege. We aren't Jesus' salespeople. Next slide. We are Jesus' followers. And so that's what we get to remember, that we don't, it's not on us, and we don't have that responsibility. Our responsibility is like a little child to look who needs what we have. So really, right this minute, we already are well-equipped uh, to be able to go out and join Jesus. Uh, next slide. We've, we've, we've already kind of summed this up. This is who I am. I am a beloved, forgiven, valued child of God. Amen? Amen. So let's just say it. Who are you? I am a beloved child of God. I could have added the rest, but I thought I might lose you in the semicolons. <laughs> Yeah, so that's who you are. Next slide. This is what I have. What do you have in abundance? Yeah, God's love. Now, here's what, here's what Christians always do. They always underestimate the power of God's love. It's ridiculous. And, you know, and I think I know why. Because we just love each other. <laughs> yeah, when you love people that already got love, you don't see like transformation. Well, I've already got that. Thank you very much. And, and, and it's not that we're saying stop loving those that you already love. Lo keep loving your family. Keep loving your church family. Absolutely. But if you want to see the power of God's love, then start loving people that are unloved. That's when you see the superpower of God's love. Next slide. That's why I like to ask the question, what's your superpower? Well, the answer is God's love. God's love is your superpower. But it only works if you... Use it. Yeah, that's right. It only works if you use it. Yeah. All the other superpowers you hear about in comic books and movies, oh, that, that's, that's made up. It's fake. But you do have a bona fide superpower. Anything that comes directly from God, 1 John chapter 4, anything that is God, 1 John chapter 4, dear friends, you better understand, that's a superpower. It's the only power in the universe that actually changes a human being from the inside out. Your shaming, your disapproval, your anger, your, your passive aggressiveness, that doesn't change it. Has that ever changed you when people have used that on you? <laughs> For heavens. No, it doesn't work. So why do we keep using it? It's ridiculous. It's sinful. The answer is to change our mind. Repent. Believe the good news. You're loved so that you can love others. God's love is your superpower. And so next slide um, love doesn't work every time, but it's the only thing that works. So keep using it. It's like, well, I've been using it on my neighbor, and that guy is as cantankerous as ever. 
Well, interestingly, I went to your neighbor's house yesterday and they think you're cantankerous too. <laughs> so if we got two cantankerous people that don't like each other living next door to each other. One has the love of God, one doesn't. Who gets to humble themselves and start treating the person better than they deserve? You see, you can't say you love your neighbor unless your neighbor knows you're being loved by them. I think I said that wrong. You, 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 it doesn't count. You're, okay, let me start over. I'm a professional. I can do this. <laughs> Loving your neighbor doesn't count unless your neighbor knows you love them. It's an experience. So if I knock on their door this afternoon and I say, does your neighbor love you? And they say something like, I'm not even sure they know my name. Or no, I'll see them in court Thursday. We have a suit against each other. <laughs> then we have a little more work to do, right? Not to earn, not to prove, but because they need that so badly. Now, if we come back at the end of the summer, knock on that same door, and I say, hey, uh, does your neighbor love you? And they're like, well, as of uh, three months ago, no, but holy cow, something happened three months ago. Ever since then, Right? They've been kind to us. We've, we've gotten together for some meals. They really are great folks. We really enjoy being with them. Now, what have we just done there? We've just set the table for God to do a lot more work than you have two angry people living next door to each other. It doesn't work every time, friends, but it's the only thing that works. So use it. And then finally, the, last, uh, the next slide. It's not the last slide. Don't get excited. Uh, the next slide. And we're almost done, though. We're close. And that is, this is what I do. All right? This is who I am. This is what I have. I'm a beloved child of the heavenly king. I have the love of God in abundance, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness. And this is what I do. I go out every day looking for folks who need what I got and offer it to them. It looks like I'm going to work. It looks like I'm going to school. It looks like I'm running the kids. It looks like I'm doing chores. It looks like I'm volunteering. But in with and under all that, I'm watching for what the father has set up. And it'll end up being small, friends. It's easy to overlook, like we said. Overlook and underestimate. Stop it. Watch for that, because the little things are what God's set up for you to do. You say, well, why doesn't he give me big things to do? Because he knows you'll screw it up. <laughs> so let's not try, let's not wait for the big things. He said, if I can't get you to do little things, why would I think you, I'm going to get you to do big things? Let's do the little things, and then we'll work on up to anything else. Look for the little things. Pinches, uh, seeds and pinches of yeast and cool cups of water. And then we are, that, that is what we do. And if we can think about that's what we're doing. Uh, in a little, so it, it, this is what it looks like. Next slide. Next slide. Bah! Is that how we do it? <laughs> no. It's a cool cup of water. All right. Now, what if we did that? Uh, let's, let's get that next slide up there. What if we did that? So imagine that is this community from a bird's eye view crosses this beautiful uh, piece of property and building. But we all know that even though there is a place on the map that we call uh, Word of Life Church, this building is not really the church, is it? Who's the church? We are. That's right. And today's a great example. You know, we got a portion of us gathered here, right? But if this is the only impact that uh, Word of Life has on this community this week, there's not going to be much impact, is there? We couldn't even get hardly any of our own members together, much less make an impact on the community, right? Now, we don't stop counting this because this counts. But the impact on this community is much more than a portion of us getting together to receive on Sunday. It's when we head back out 
and having freely received, start to look uh, for opportunities to freely give. So uh, next slide. What if we put the actual membership of our church into mapping software? Then we could see where we actually are the rest of the, t- of the week. Now you really see the footprint of Word of Life Church. It's not just a building on Sunday. It's, it's the people uh, the rest of the time. And then what if they did the one thing that God gave us to do? Each of us went out and loved our neighbor, just little ways, little ways, loved our neighbor, as, you know, whether it's in our neighborhood, whether it's at our workplace, whether it's in the grocery store, loved our neighbor. Want to see the impact of Word of Life Church? One, two, three, bam. Dear friends, the community would literally never be the same again. But instead of using our superpower, we come and receive it and stick it in our pockets and go home and say, see you next week. Sprinkle a little bit on our family. Sprinkle a little bit on our church family when we see them. And then the rest sucks to be you. <laughs> or we look for the folks who could use that cool cup of water, right? Love our neighbor. So uh, it, it, does the video work? Should we do that? All right. So the, here's a little visual of what this could look like. Let's, let's enjoy this little short video. People ask me all the time, Greg, could it really be that simple? And here's the good news. It always has been. We've complicated it. We've got ourselves all anxious about things we're not even responsible for. Jesus is on the loose out there, friends. He's alive and resurrected, and he resurrected you for a purpose. Come follow me. Let's go see what the Father's prepared in advance for us to do today. It's the adventure you were made for and now are saved for. Last slide. So let's remember who you are. Remember what you have and remember what you're here to do. 
Let the adventures begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you.